0: Philip, we want to hear from you. Alright, let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place, fill the atmosphere. Glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overwhelmed by the presence Lord, In Jesus' name. So as Thomas shared earlier, it's been a little bit of time, several months since the last retreat. And, uh, but Thomas and Amy and Caroline and I talked about me possibly speaking weeks and weeks ago. So I was a little apprehensive about it, started sitting down and going through the readings and I I was like, I'm not supposed to do this. This So, I just spent the next several weeks just praying, reading, and reading, and just asking the Lord to speak. And I went from being really apprehensive to being extremely excited. And I felt like the Lord was speaking, the Lord was saying things to me, and the the, the text just came alive. And uh, but the one thing that kept puzzling me is I don't I don't understand particularly why Thomas and Amy would ask me to speak on this, when it's. it's of the pinnacle of what this community is about i got a text from caroline wednesday morning philip you're not speaking on john 17. you're speaking on john 16. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so <laughs> we fly a little bit by the seat of our pants oh, yeah. so oh, we're to hear about john 17. Too. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was kinda kinda funny. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because mm-hmm. he has anointed me mm-hmm. to tell a really good story. Mm-hmm. Some people have the gift of preaching and teaching. I can tell the story. And in, uh, in Revelation twelve it says, We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony in my life, I've found that in the spirit, one of the best weapons that I have is my own story. It's my story. I was born in Austin, Texas in March of 1969. And I lived in Austin for several years uh, until my father's business went bankrupt and we moved into a travel trailer behind a car. And we spent a season traveling and wound up in Alvin, Texas, just outside of Houston, when my father took a job. And lived there for a couple of years, and from there we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to, again, for my dad to to find work. And in Tulsa, we had this great joy of living in a brand new housing community. And uh, I could walk to school, there were, it was a big neighborhood, but then there were several blocks of undeveloped streets. And then there was my street. It had four houses on it, and that was it. And it was a great place to grow up, a great place to ride your bike. There were turtles. I saw my first horny toad. I caught it and said, I found a baby dinosaur. <laughs> and uh, it was really wonderful. Uh, and we went, we attended uh, a tiny Assemblies of God church in our neighborhood when you walked into the entrance the I guess you call it the back of the church and you walked into the back of the church they had a wall because the front was glass and if the, the pulpit and everything's up in the front, you know light shining and all is a little distracting. so they put up this huge wall and on this wall there was this massive mural of Jesus as the Good Shepherd and uh, I'm seven years old, and this this picture now I probably think is kind of dorky and funny, but as a seven-year-old, this painting really spoke to me. It really spoke to me. So one night, I was sitting in my bedroom, and I was thinking about Jesus, and I drew this. I drew this picture, and I was really disappointed in my ability to capture the the picture, but. My sweet mom saved it, which was, I think it was wonderful. But I, I looked at this picture, and I loved that Jesus was carrying the lamb, And, uh, and, the, and the, all of the sheep were around Jesus. And I said to myself, literally, on my knees, in my room, by myself, I get on my knees, and I said, Jesus, I want to be one of your sheep. And I gave my life to Jesus, seven years old, at that moment. And I'm so grateful to have kind of this picture that kind of uh, just commemorate that, that night. I went on, uh, as I described, we had the openness in, in, a, in our home. Uh, and one night I had a dream shortly after this. I walked, in my dream, I walked out the front door into the blank uh, block that was across the street And when I stepped foot onto the land, it turned into this massive forest. And as I was walking, I could hear water. And I made my way to find the water. So I'm going through the woods, and I come across this really beautiful stream flowing. And it had that wonderful, I love the sound of water. It had this wonderful sound of the water trickling. And as I'm standing there, I can feel the Lord's presence. And in in my dream, the hand of God, just the hand, appears in the air. And I take it with my hand, hand, and I start walking with Jesus. And uh, it was, you know, I was just a little kid, but I still remember it It so powerful. That sense of Jesus is with me, and Jesus is walking with me. So today, we're talking about John chapter 16, not 17. And this, to me, feels... Chapter 16 feels a little bit like a transition between... Uh, it's the upper rim discourse between kind of some of the things that Jesus is talking about until he's about to move into his final points. So in, in the book of John, John immediately goes into the ministry of Jesus. Chapter 1, right in the middle of the chapter, Jesus and the wedding at Canaan. So we're, John dives right in. And for the first 12 chapters, it's about Jesus' ministry. But for chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, it's the Upper Room Discourse. I and mean, this is, focuses a lot of attention on this time. And in this time... Jesus is pouring himself into his disciples, and in one of the scriptures is, he says, "I would love to share more, but you can't handle it." You know, in in, in, in the middle of uh, chapter sixteen. <clears throat> but Jesus speaks; he speaks very openly about his death, and he speaks very openly about his relationship to the Father. And I feel like in this in this book, the theology of Jesus as God, as the Son of God, and the and the relationship of the Holy Spirit is beautifully uh, revealed to us. And in chapter 17, even more so. So this is kind of where Jesus is heading in his talk. So let's read a little bit. Sorry, I have to take my glasses off when I read start in uh, verse 5. Jesus says, now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things and you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt. In regard to sin and righteousness and judgment in regard to sin because men do not believe in me in regard to righteousness because i'm going to the father where you can see me no longer and in regard to judgment because the prince of this world stands condemned this isn't the first time jesus is talking about the holy spirit coming but clearly says, I have to go to the Father for the Holy Spirit to come. And this is a powerful piece of hope that Jesus is giving to his disciples kind of in the midst of a lot of intense things. Jesus is saying he's dying, there's gonna be persecution, you're gonna desert me, all of these intense things, but I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. So Jesus makes a profound promise. Now, I'm not a theologian, I'm an artist, completely right-brained. Uh, in some areas of my life I live a disciplined life but in my mind I'm ADD all over <laughs> the place. You know, So I, I'm not, I'm not going to teach on uh, the theology of the Holy Spirit but I would like to share with you my experience with the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit has meant to me. Jesus is promising a counselor. He's promising uh, someone who will come and convict of sin. Reveal the Father. Uh, The list that you read was just amazing. It's like, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. For sure. For sure. So after we lived in Oklahoma for a few years, we came back to Texas in 19, uh, 1978, so was a year after I received the award. And back then, if you went in your car and you drove to Ben White, you were going to the edge of Austin. And there was not much beyond that. But if you did, for some crazy reason, decide to drive down to William Cannon, uh, you can make a left turn uh, on, on William Cannon there's the big H-E-B there, there used to be nothing, and then you could turn right on Bluff Springs Road. Now this road was in the sticks. Now there's nothing out there. We could drive down this road for two or three miles, and on the right was an abandoned convenience store. Now, <clears throat> whoever built this convenience store should have counted that there's probably, would need more than five or six people to have a clientele base to have a convenience oh, store. He <laughs> was <laughs> was ahead of his time <clears throat> this is an abandoned convenience store and in this convenience store uh, a Pentecostal preacher rented it and started a church and I don't know how we found it but my family started attending this church uh, I was uh, 8, 9 years old a white minority in this church and uh, But, man, it was such a formative time of my life. Uh, I won't tell lots of stories, but we'll get into that. One morning, um, we had church on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. I really, really had a deep love for the Lord. Even as a little kid, I really wanted to follow Jesus. But I think I also recognized that something was missing in my life that I... And I, I believe there was more. Now, in the Pentecostal church, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and specifically speaking in tongues, is kind of a sign of your true salvation in some ways. Now, okay, uh, I know lots and lots of people that are completely filled with the Holy Spirit and don't speak in tongues. But it was something that I desired and I longed for. So one particular Sunday morning, I woke up. Ding! Probably at 6 o'clock like I always did. Today, I'm going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wow, okay. And I was excited. Just excited, excited, excited. We go to church and the pastor says, I know this is kind of unique. We don't usually have Sunday night service, but we're having a service tonight. I'm going to preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I'm going to give people an, an opportunity to receive it. I knew it, I knew it. This is for me. And all day, I'm just excited, excited, waiting, waiting, waiting for this moment. Finally, the night comes, the preacher talks for probably two hours. I didn't hear a single thing he said. And when it came time to respond to the the altar call, of course, I got up and got in line with 25 other people, a lot of them kids like me. And, uh, And so when it came time for me to get prayed for, They had a couple of the elders and the pastor. they put their hands on, Lord Jesus, fill him with your Holy Spirit. And then they stuck a mic in my face. (laughs) And I'm like, um. Oh, hallelujah! He's got it. He's got it. Praise the Lord. You know. Usher him off. You know. And and I'm standing next to a wall. (laughs) You gotta be shot my gosh what just happened nothing you know <laughs> and but something in me had that knowing this was for me today and I stood there my mom came up and she's like it's okay it's okay." and I'm bored because I knew the Lord wanted to touch me and so I stood there for a little bit and I felt the Lord's presence and I felt him on me and I felt twinges of something that the Lord was doing inside of me. Two nights later, I was lying on my bed, and I was praying, and I had a couple of words in my mind, and so I started saying that. And I just said them. It was very simply, Just over and over. I just started saying them. And the Holy Spirit fell upon me that night. In a way that is extremely difficult to understand. If you are ever very cold and you get in a warm shower, and that wave goes through your body, of like oh. that was happening to me nonstop, just wave after wave after wave for an extended amount of time, and I couldn't stop. It was rivers of living water flowing out of me. And I, such a marker for my life, calling, filling, empowerment. I, for me, it was so important because it was so intense and real. I couldn't doubt it. I couldn't doubt it. Can you put up uh, a on icon? Jesus gives us this gift and it's manifested in different ways one of the things I believe is that the gift of the Holy Spirit one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he enhances gifts you already have Like if you're a race car driver I believe if you were baptized in the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit and you'd probably be a better race car driver and there's a really good chance all the spirits take you in a different direction, so you might not get to see those gifts manifested. But I believe that if you're a good speaker, those things are there. If you're a, if you're a worship leader, if you're a preacher, if you have the gift of evangelism, those uh, gifts are enhanced. Everybody familiar with this icon? I love. I love this icon. It's it's actually the visitation to Abraham and Marian? Mamlin. But when I googled this icon, I just Googled is Holy Trinity. And and yeah, it came up with no problem. <laughs> and I'm not gonna get into all of the imagery, but in in this icon in particular, there's nothing, everything's purposeful: Color, facial directions, eyes, hands, feet, everything means something. But one of the things that is really powerful is the Son and the Holy Spirit are submitted to the Father. You see them both slightly bowing in honor to the Father. Now, there's, I, I can't, I can't say there's any real theological basis for this at all. But I believe the Father and the Son, we're going to get into this in in, uh, chapter 17, but the Father and the Son's relationship is so intimate, so pure, so holy, so deep, so loving, all of the things that you said, I believe the fruit of that relationship is living. It's alive in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that he had to go to the Father so that the Holy Spirit could come. And again, in in, in chapter 17, we're going to be diving into the love of the Father for the Son and the Son for the Father and amazingly deep, Jesus says over and over and over that this is for us. That's mind-blowing to me. My whole life, I've never thought like that. I thought, I'm a child of God. That's amazing. That's awesome. Never thought in this term. But this is... We can end it now. What's the future of CTR? This. I'm contemplating the... the in entering into the unity of the Trinity. Sorry, God base. <laughs> yeah. So, ways that the Holy Spirit has uh, kind of manifested Himself in my life. The Holy Spirit is in us, but it comes; it shines out of us. I, one of the things that uh, that, the, that the Scripture says today that uh, the Holy Spirit works in, in convicting of sin. In my life, that's very true. A a few weeks ago at work, uh, I was in a bit of a crabby mood and I went upstairs and I made a snarky remark about a person. And I came downstairs and immediately the the Holy Spirit said, go upstairs, apologize, this is inappropriate. Okay, so I went upstairs and I said, hey, I'm sorry, that was inappropriate, I haven't seen this guy in years couple years. Uh, I'm sorry, it's inappropriate. That guy showed up at CTR the next week. Uh, he was an inspector. <laughs> uh, but he showed up. I believed my response in obedience to the Holy Spirit gave me grace for the inspection that happened to the next week, which we were completely unprepared for. Um, I was really grateful that I was in 10 minutes. To the Holy Spirit, multiple times. And Sam can attest to this. We have guests come to Cielo to talk about water. We, we have uh, uh, two companies that we make product for. Uh, sales vendors come in, blah blah blah, and these guys come in, and I share very openly my faith with people. I share very openly how I feel uh, about the Lord, but I, I'm not. I'm not wouldn't consider myself preaching. It's just part of who I am. And probably at least four or five times people have said something to me off color and then said, oh, gosh, Philip, I'm sorry. These are unbelievers. I'm sorry, that's not appropriate. Why are they saying that? What is it about me that is convicting something in them? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is calling all of us. is elevating all of us. Mm -hmm. Alright, I have more to say on that, but I'm going to move on. The Holy Spirit and CTR. Mm -hmm. Wittenberg, as Thomas said, is a, a, a major event that in some ways Came to its fruition last year but the Holy Spirit began speaking about that event years before began speaking about that event specifically to Thomas and Amy 10 years before Significant event in the life of the church, in the history of the church, in Christ's return. That was a pivotal, 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 pivotal point in history. The Holy Spirit uses people who are unseen and unknown. We're not looking for book deals or merchandise sales. We're not building an empire here. We started out as kids. Stupid, but loving God, sitting in a circle worshiping. It was bad the Holy Spirit met us and I don't remember any of the bad stuff. I just remember what God was doing. Thomas and Amy quietly listened to the Lord and obeyed Him. And the Lord did something really powerful. It's doing something really powerful. And now... I think we're kind of at the threshold of a, a season of deeper, newer to us revelation centered around this. I think the Holy Spirit's going to be doing... And I'd like to say this, in the quiet and listening stuff, the seeds of that very much birth in your Father. Years and years ago, I ran into a guy in California at a huge conference. 5,000 people. I go up for prayer. Stand in front of this guy. Where are you from? Awesome Austin, Texas. Oh, you know John Cobb <laughs> uh, Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and he briefly shared just a little bit of his encounter with John and Ann, missionaries, on the beach evangelist on the beach. His relationship with the, with the Lord planted seeds in Thomas's life. And now we're doing it in our own kids. My biggest prayer for my kids is not to be successful. It's not to be known. It's not to be healthy. It's not to have a long life. The number one prayer I have for my kids is to have... An amazing, deep, powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's my number one prayer for all my kids. Pray over and over. I'm talking over my time, so wrap up. ourselves with the will of God by observing this is from Mary Paul, she said this this week when she was here by observing what the Holy Spirit is doing following by jumping into that stream that's mm-hmm. how she put it Powerful things that the Holy Spirit does is unite His voice with His to say, unite His voice with the bride to say, Holy Spirit." the Son, we long to bow our hearts and bow our knees in submission to the will of the Father. To experience the depth of love and relationship and community, healing and wholeness that we have never experienced Yet. Holy Spirit, we invite you to continue a transforming work in our lives as a people and as individual people, as a person. Change us, Lord. as we grow in our understanding of what the bride is, we say with you, come, come Lord Jesus.